You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, well, we're here with Farzad Mizbahi. He's got a really co cool YouTube channel. I've been really digging on it lately. Uh, some really good content. So you guys should just go check that out um, because Farzad has worked at Tesla and we're going to just dive in and find out. We're just going to pick his brain yeah. clean, I think, if we can today. How you doing? I'm here for it, man. Thank you so much. Um, very excited to be on, on you guys' channel. I've been following you guys for a while. You guys, uh, talking briefly before, but you guys do amazing work. I think you guys are super valuable to the Tesla community and I'm super psyched to sit down and speak to you both. So thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Well, so I want to start right off on a topic which I feel like is very touchy with the Tesla community, which is how do you talk about Tesla when you want to be a little critical like which Jesse and I do sometimes. <laughs> um, we love, you know, look, we all love Elon. We all love Tesla. Um, but just like, you know, your best friend or whatever, when sometimes you want to give them a little constructive criticism. Um, how do you find that goes for you? Because like you worked for the company. Um, is it the kind of thing where you feel that too, that like if you start to say something about, you know, Elon, maybe you shouldn't do this or Tesla shouldn't do that. Do you, do you feel like a backlash or how does that, how's that reaction to you? So what's very interesting about that comment is that the reason why Tesla has been able to achieve what it has achieved is because they have a staff that are incredibly critical of what Tesla does on a daily basis, right? So I think from an outsider's perspective, um, sometimes what might happen is that I think folks just view Tesla and the company so um, so highly because it's so transformative in a way. You know, they've done so many great things that perhaps sometimes it's tough to still be critical of the things that they don't perform well. So, so for example, one video that I thought you guys did was that was excellent not too long ago was about some of the hardships with Tesla service that you and the people you know have been experiencing in your area. I thought I thought that was great because the only way Tesla gets better is if the weaknesses in certain areas are highlighted and people are vocal about what they should be doing uh, to make it better, right? And I can tell you one of the things that impressed me about Tesla being inside is that uh, Tesla does pay attention to negative feedback. It's very important. Uh, us working on the service distribution side, the thing that we hated to see, especially back in 2017, 2018, while I was there, was seeing people having hardships, you know? And so we saw that we're like, yo, we got to do a better job. We have to do a better job. As far as... Um, me being critical of Tesla or, or Elon, I think I, I try my best to be as 
man, as, as even as possible, um, I, I try to sort of weigh the goods and the bad. And I try to really say, okay, so net, 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 they're doing great things and they're being positive, but that doesn't absolve them of being perfect. And nobody, no company's perfect. No person's perfect. Um, I haven't really experienced too much backlash, to be completely honest. I Perhaps I haven't been like super critical in some areas because, uh, you know, I always try to weigh from like a holistic perspective. But um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and I agree with you guys. I think if, if, if there's some criticism or some something that you guys feel like should be brought up and, and spoken about, you should 100% talk about it. I mean, it's it's whole, within that context of like, you know, freedom of speech and really saying what, what you feel and, and what you experience, as long as there's some validity to it, which I, I don't know if anybody's being critical about a company or Elon or whatever, if, if, um, if they have stuff to back it up, like, why wouldn't you say it, you know? So I think it's important. And I think it, it helps the company gets bet, uh, get better over time. And like I said, from my internal experience, a company pays attention to it and they absolutely try their hardest to make it better over time. That I can say with a fact. And the fact that they have so much talented people internally gives me the confidence that over time they'll get to where they need to be in some of those weakness areas. But um, for folks to be afraid or to not want to speak up about the negative things that a company might do, I think is a little bit silly. And is at the detriment of the company because they won't know that's going on in a way, right? They need, they need as much... Uh, data sets as possible to act on things that they need to act on. Long, long answer to your question. I'm sorry. No, great, great <laughs> answer. Great answer. What do you think about Tesla communications? Uh, what I mean is there's a lot of problems I think Tesla has that could be almost mitigated entirely if communication was better. So if we look at like Tesla's service, let's say, a lot of times what we've heard from people in our experience ourselves is that if just a friendly person was at Tesla who said, oh man, that's awful. Like, 90% of the problem would go away. <laughs> but instead you get like this, a lot of times it feels like you're getting this very corporate like- Or automated. Or automated thing. And so we've almost become de facto like Tesla service people where people reach out to us and they're like, Zach and Jesse, I'm having this problem. And we're like, oh, that's awful. And then they <laughs> feel better. Um, yeah. What was your experience in the company? Do you feel like that's a problem? Is it like that everything has to go through Elon and that's why no one can say anything? Or are, are we just outliers? Like what, what was your experience? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's at all something that Elon has to control 100% of the time. I just think, oh, man, from my experience, I, I think it might be. And this is just me talking. This is my opinion. I think it's kind of like where does it fall within the priorities of uh, what the company's trying to achieve, right? So, if from a if from a holistic perspective, the company's performing really well. They have a lot of demand. Uh, in most cases, they they're not really having any issues, and as they grow. You know, I think that the one thing that they're facing now is as they get much bigger, the net number of people that might be having sort of a challenging experience is increasing with that net number, you know, with the more cars they sell, the more people they touch and everything like that. Um, the net number of things that could go wrong or are sort of uh, controversial in a way is going to increase. So I think I think it's just a matter of how the company views their prioritization. And it's been a big debate that's been going on, especially as of late. I had somebody on my channel not too long ago where we really discussed like sort of that communication piece, almost like a PR department in a way too. Like, like should Tesla really invest heavily or at least invest in a couple people to be sort of the face of, of like, hey, when something goes wrong, this is how we're going to uh, sort of uh, address it. If something false comes up about the company, this is how we're going to address it. But as far as like it having to flow through Elon, that was not at all the case that I found uh, while I was working at the company. I just, I think it's like how, where is it in the priority of everything else that Tesla is doing? You know, and I think over time, 
I think as Tesla really gets super large and truly mainstream, I would predict that they will invest in that in some way. But again, it just goes back to a question of prioritization and where is it within the company. On the latest Tesla owner Silicon Valley um, interview with Elon part three, um, they, t they raised the question about advertising or they kind of went off on that little tangent. And Elon talked about that maybe we should advertise. Like he was talking about how, you know, if, if GM uh, had a bad article written about them, their, you know, marketing executive would call up the newspaper and say like, uh, hey guys, uh, do you want us to pull our advertising? So he's realized that like, that would have some value. We were talking about it on the show and, and I'm wondering what your opinion is. Do you think it's time for Tesla to spend some money on advertising so that they get better PR? Oh man, um, from an advertising perspective, I the way I view advertising, it's, it's a demand lever. That's how I think about advertising. So if demand is not an issue and it doesn't appear to be an issue, and I don't think it's going to be an issue for, for a long while, to be completely honest, I don't really think they need to invest money in advertising per se, but that's kind of like advertising. But then you have the angle of like when people are out there just straight up, just talking smack about the company, right? Or saying just negative things like back 2017, 2018, 2019, when the FUD storm was at its peak, <laughs> you know, when it was super, super crazy. Uh, Tesla probably could have benefited from having some sort of team that would help them um, sort of either falsify kind of what the Tesla community was doing in a way during that time, right? And I think Tesla was very fortunate to have that kind of community, but it was born out of the fact that, in my opinion, they had a product that people really believed in. They had a mission that people really believed in. They have a leader that people really believe in. Uh, they have you know, from my experience with the people working there, they have a culture that's worth believing in. They treat their people really, really well. So they kind of had this perfect storm of, of people that really believed in the company. And so they benefited from that, you know? Um, I think over time, I think I think the advertising thing, again, it's going to be really a demand lever. And then as far as trying to shut down FUD or or trying to shut down like like uh, negative news articles or things, I think, again, it's where does it sit within the priority of the company and how do they view that uh, within the context of what they're trying to achieve from like their missions perspective? Like, is it in some way preventing their ability to advance the advent of sustainable transport? Because to me, it just seemed like if Elon threw, let's say, $500 million into advertising per year, which is still a fraction of what Ford or GM spends, but if they spent that, which is basically what they lost on Bitcoin this year. It seemed like it might be a wise investment, not even for the demand lever, because I get what you're saying. I think demand is going to be good going forward for a while. But I was thinking for two reasons. One, the next generation of Tesla buyers are going to be more mainstream people. And so they're not going to be as you know avid Tesla followers as we are. And then second is I do think it would buy him a lot of positive press. So instead of those art those funny articles coming out that are just like, Tesla sucks. Well, just any article. Any article that you read, right. it's Elon Musk says this very non-controversial thing. Then, you know, three two sentences about what actually happened, then six paragraphs about it. And Elon is very controversial. And remember the 420 tweet and the, uh, the pedo guy and the blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what does this have to do with the article? Right. Like, do I really... Is this someone who's never heard of Elon Musk reading this article? Like, I need to know everything about Elon right. before I can. It's like, okay. And then you finally get to the bottom of the article and it's a little conclusion sentence like, we'll see what happens. And it's like, <laughs> what the, what the heck was, did I just read? Um, I just feel like it would be, I don't know, more, you know, if you read a GM article or a Toyota article, they're not explaining, you know, right. You know, Jim Farley's Jim what he had Farley for breakfast. Or, right. You know, yeah. yeah. it's just like, whoa, I feel like. It, it could change the just 
you know, for the people who do read past the second sentence, like, um, or it could change the headline because sometimes yeah. the the writer actually writes a half decent article and then right. the editor just chooses a what I don't know where they got the headline from wacky wacky yeah. headline. Yeah, I do wonder. I do wonder how much, like, how much of the equation is. Uh, there's a growing sentiment, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but there's a growing sentiment within, say, the population where they are starting to become a little bit more aware when something is sensationalized or when something is like perhaps uh, not written in the best um, sort of like uh, with the best journalistic integrity. Let's just say that. And I wonder how much uh, Elon and the company are are sort of uh, confident in that and saying like, you know what, the people are just going to be able to, even even long term, five to 10 years from now, there's going to be a shift in how people view these articles. And there's going to be a sort of a sense of like, over time, this is just going to fix itself because you're going to have basically a uh, media outlets that are just spewing garbage, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better word, and they're going to lose the readership, they're going to lose the trust, right? And over time, there's going to be more and more reputable news sources that are going to be more fair, and they're going to be more factually accurate about what it is. And the people that would want to follow Tesla, want to purchase Tesla uh, in the long term, perhaps they're going to start becoming more aware of this and it's just something that's going to resolve itself. I don't know. I'm just kind of putting out there as, as a variable because I think that, that that's a legitimate part of a, how I think Elon and the leadership team would think about some of these things because really they're, they're a lot more long-term thinking in a way. Now, um, there might be a lever that appears though that says, you know what, we're getting to the point where this is not going to be part of the equation anymore. We do have to invest, right? And and I'm and honestly I'm thinking about it a lot lately. I really am about the whole communications and PR and advertising. I just again it goes back to how does Elon and leadership team view it within the context of demand or the mission that they're trying to achieve. And it's going to be super interesting watching it unfold over time because it could help in some ways. But yeah, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Because even if the news articles aren't going to get any less fuddy, I just feel like there's going to be more Teslas on the road. And uh, Teslas sell themselves mm. so, so well. And I just feel like I have seen people get into my car who are just like, nope, nope, this is stupid. I freaking hate it, blah, blah, blah. And then you punch it. And then they go, oh, hang on. And what about this? I could put solar on my house and save a whole bunch of money. What are you talking about? Like everyone from every background walk of life. Um, and and uh, you just you show them and then they go, oh, I get it. They don't care what they read anymore. They've everything has just been shattered. And they go, oh, it's I've. It's rare that I find anyone who, you know, gets out of the car and is like, well, whatever, it's stupid. It's the ultimate, it's the ultimate exercise in word of mouth selling. It's like, it's, I don't think it's, uh, and again, I'm trying to like not be biased because I've been an investor for 10 years. I've worked at the freaking company. I think Elon's doing a great job and that they have the most talented team. There's way too many things that would make me super biased, but I truly think it's, it's, it's sort of like a revolutionary way of, of really um, approaching how to sell a product and how to build a community and a customer base that is super, 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 super sticky. And it's all through product. And it's, it's, it's just investing as much effort and dollars as humanly possible to ensure that the product is at its absolute best. And then everything will, will just work out in the end. I just think that it's so amazing because they could have made the cars 
20% worse on almost every metric and they would still be great. Um, you know, uh, 20% slower uh, fast charging speed, 20% slower, you know, zero to 60 acceleration, 20% less range. They'd still be great cars. It's just that extra 20% that's put in and you're like, oh, you're selling me a race car with double wishbone suspension and zero to 60 in three seconds, like on a Model 3. It's like, huh, I don't have to really mod it. Like we, <laughs> you know, we had a race car go up Pike's Peak and it was just a Model 3 performance. Right. Like we right. put a wrap on it and that was it. Like we had to, you know, pull the seats out, put in a roll cage, but. Right. They wouldn't even let us, you know, alter the suspension. <laughs> I just saw um, who's what's his name? Um, uh, Popes. I forget. He he's like a race car driver. He has a Model S Plaid that he uh, threw unplugged. I think I forget who who they did it with, but like they took a Model S Plaid up Pike's Peak and that thing placed second. You know, it's like it's what what the hell's going on? Like this is so dumb. Like why would anybody do this? And then you put it within the context of like price to value ratio, and that's really what it starts becoming evidence. You spend one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for a freaking Pikes Peak destroying machine, where the other guys are spending I don't know half a million. I don't even know how much it would cost to make like a custom car going Pike Pikes Peak, but it's unprecedented in a way. And when I think about it within the context of like competition, I really think it's going to be a gigantic struggle for anyone to get anywhere close from a product perspective, but it's going to be fascinating to see as it becomes clear that Tesla is here to stay, not just as a uh, EV mainstay, but as a just a, as a transportation mainstay period. And potentially, in my opinion, I think they're going to be the largest vehicle seller in the market by far. At that point, I think things are going to shift from the competition being uh, perhaps like you know, like, oh, no, we're going to get there. We're going to get there too. Holy crap. Like, we are probably going to go out of business unless we do something about this. And I'm curious to see what that tone shift looks like. And so put that within the context of communications and PR and all that stuff. What's going to happen at that point when you have literal industries potentially suffering because of how dominant this player is in the end, if the product strategy turns out to be correct, which I, I, I'm confident it will. So it's we live we're on the cusp of something crazy. That's what it feels like to me. I want to introduce our viewers to you. If people watch your channel, they already know that you talk a lot about the culture at Tesla and and how it works when you work there. But I want you to kind of introduce viewers who may not be familiar with you yet and, and the culture there of, I've just been fascinated watching your videos to learn that you had so much free reign um, and that employees, not just you, all Tesla employees, it seems, have free reign to solve problems, which is, if you're a smart person, that's why you want to get up in the morning, I would imagine, because you go to work and instead of being like, yeah, I got to get this report done by five, you are you're you've picked a problem that you're excited about and you're working on it. And it didn't even have to be a problem like you've mentioned. There were problems you were working on that you weren't really even trained in. Um, so I'm just really interested. It was like 95 percent of it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, tell me, like, maybe you can give us an, an anecdote or a tale of something that you were working on that um, was just so different than you would find in other companies. A hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you for that question. So. Uh, the, the thing that really stuck out to me is that I think Tesla just knows that they have the best of the best. But the, the thing that sets them apart is that they trust. They trust who they've hired. And they're willing to give you the keys to the company to make it as good as humanly possible. And when you combine that with the fact that everything that Tesla does is really from scratch, right? I mean, you think about the not just the car. You know, the car, of course, battery tech, drivetrain, um, how to build it, UI, infotainment, whatever go down the list. It, they just it's it's a one-off and they've started that uh, uh, product, whatever you want to call it. 
But that's not just a factory thing. That's an everything thing, right? So when you think f f my background, I worked in uh, service distribution for four years. I joined the company as an analyst, but I was uh, really uh, within the context of uh, building out a distribution network in the States and part of Europe, uh, primarily from a analytics perspective, but also helping with process improvement, also helping with layouts, also helping with inbound and outbound processes, inventory control, so on and so on. So, so I came from a background of analytics and building dashboards and building KPIs, but then within three months, I'm on the freaking warehouse floor designing how to make our outbound process for the warehouse 200% faster. Like this is not something I'm familiar with. So you have to think about how to bring product into the building. You have to think about how to QA the product. You have to think about how to put it away, how to put it in a place that it's easy accessible, uh, how to pick it, how to bring it to the outbound floor, how to pack it, how to stage it, how to put it into the freaking uh, trailer and then utilizing as many tools as humanly possible to make that as straightforward and as easy for the employee and as error-proof as humanly possible. And so when I'm somebody who's just been freaking, you know, I know how you guys like overlay the heads over the things, I'm here coding, you know, whatever on the computer or whatever uh, for seven years beho before as a director of BI and, and pricing, then I'm literally I'm getting forklift certified to try and figure out how to make the picking process from the 60 level as smooth as possible, and then implementing all those things together. So I, I learned, man, like I would say like 80% of what I know today, I learned from those four years in Tesla from a building out a warehouse, processes, leadership, mentorship. Uh, it's been insane. It's been completely nuts. And, it, and it's because Tesla trusts his people. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. They trust their people. And there's a culture where you're incentivized as a leader to pass that on to the folks that report to you or the folks that you work with. It's, it's like this, it's like a, the largest startup in the world is the best way to describe it. And I'm sure you guys know, like you guys have obviously built an, uh, an incredible brand with what you do uh, as entrepreneurs, but I'm sure your team is small and you guys can move at the speed of thought. You're probably like, oh, we wanna do this, just get it done. Tesla does this with a hundred freaking thousand people. It's insane. But the only way you do that is by trusting your employees. I wanna get to the point. So you got your, you were not a, uh, you know, factory floor kind of warehouse guy before, and then you got, uh, forklift certified? Yeah. Okay. I was an, yeah, an analyst with- Whoa, yeah. <laughs> hang on. Because, okay, so I worked, uh, I had an internship where I worked at a plastics processing facility. It was, you know, whatever. And there was a clear delineation between who was in the office. And luckily that was me. I had to wear a, you know, collar every day. And who was on the floor. And the guys on the floor would sometimes come up with really- smart things to do and the guys in the office would hate it they would hate it because they didn't come up with it but they don't know how to come up with anything and that that <laughs> silo those two silos those two different worlds but it had so constantly and it was comical here i was this 20 year old kid and i could go in and talk to both sides because like who who the heck is this 20 year old kid and i could come up with those solutions kind of do similar things but it was so hard to do because the culture of the company was set up against me hearing that you got your forklifts license which meant that you actually could understand what was going to happen when you went to get something off of a you know a high shelf or something like that that's it just rings uh positive alarm bells in my head where i'm going like well that's a genius like of, of course if you don't know how to do something, how can you tell someone how to do it? And that was the thing that I would always encounter at this job. It was just like, we need to get 400 of these. And then it was just like, well, you don't you obviously don't know what you're talking about because uh, that's either really easy or that's literally impossible to do. And so by gaining that experience, wow. It's, it's like the perfect combination of blue collar and white collar to the point where- Well, you're doing those... something. Exactly. Like You're being doing effective. is a whole thing and, and dividing it up into white and blue collar is so stupid. But hang on, I want to take the, <laughs> there's some viewers watching right now, I'm sure, who would say, why'd you hire this guy to do that job when you could have gotten a guy from Detroit who's been doing it for 40 years right. and he knows that job so well. So you just waste Tesla. You see, I knew I should short Tesla. You don't know what you're talking about. You 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 train this guy, sure, but you could have had, you know, Doug from Detroit and day one, he would have known what to do. What do you say to that person who's like, the smarter thing would have been to headhunt someone who's done this for 40 years? They, I don't think they would have known what to do. I think that's that's really the, the important thing here because these guys, and I'm not this, so I'm not gonna say that this guy with 40 year experience is bad at what he does, right? But I think it goes back to how does somebody fit within a culture where everybody's empowered to bring the most value to the company when a lot of these folks that are in, and this is my assumption, okay, I could be wrong, but I'm fairly confident that I'm right, is that folks that come from those cultures are super about structure, silo, 
And then everybody, like, we just have to make sure everybody's doing exactly the thing we're telling them to do because that's going to be the easiest way to track their performance. And it's the easiest way to freaking fire people if they're not doing a good job. Where Tesla is like, if you're you're in a role, you get hired as a role, right? But if you find a thing that's like, okay, this is, if I get certified for this, or if I get into the process and I learn how to pick, how to pack, how to, how to ship, it's going to help me do my job better because then I know what to track or I know what the hardships are from the job that's going to allow me to make, maybe I'm, I'm part of that team that offers a solution from an outsider's perspective, but I'm not going to be able to give you a good recommendation unless I actually freaking do the job. And people from with that background, in my opinion, typically do not have nearly, nearly as much willingness to get their hands dirty and actually understand what people do on the floor, right? And so I think where Tesla excels is that they hire people that are willing to get their hands dirty, regardless of experience, regardless of background, regardless of wherever they come from. It's it's the true entrepreneurial spirit of like, I'm just going to get in there and figure it out and use my skill set and my toolbox to make it better. And I'm not going to be pouty or afraid to work with anyone. I'll work with anyone. And Tesla is, again, brilliance from a culture perspective. And you read this from the anti-handbook handbook that's like public, but it's so very true in the company is that anyone can work with anyone. And ultimately, if you're trying to make something super, super good and as fast as humanly possible, you have to allow your best people that have the solutions to come together and work on that solution, regardless of where they work. So we hear a lot about a lot of these positive things of Tesla, and we know that they're hiring the best of the best and that they're, they're usually um, very efficient with their, um, you know, what they're able to actually do. The other thing that I always hear is that um, people get burnt out working at Tesla and that they are spending multiple, many, 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 many hours a week, um, you know, well past 40 and that uh, they don't have any time for any any sort of family. So it's it's great for the 20 somethings who don't have any, you know, uh, the wife and kids or anything like that. Um, but then as soon as they start to get a little bit older and they want to settle down, they stop. They want to stop working the 60, 80 hour weeks and they want to, you know, have a, a good salary and they want to go live somewhere, you know, relaxing. And that's when we tend to lose the talent. My understanding has always been that great. Get them when, when they're young or when they're ready to work really hard. And then when they're spent, they're gone and we'll get in the new best people because Tesla can always hire the new best people. I think that there's a worry that like we're going to run out of talented people someday or that Tesla's going to have such a bad rap uh, reputation for being such a hard place to work at. I mean, I know I was an engineer. I was like, you know, people were like, you should go work for Tesla. And I was like, I don't know if I want to work for Tesla. That sounds like a lot of work. Um, and kudos to you for actually, you know, going and doing that. Um what do you what do you say to that? I mean, do you think that we're going to like run out of talent or do you think that uh, it's a burnout kind of culture or do you think uh, we all kind of have the wrong take? I like to say that most of Tesla's employees haven't worked at the company yet. I think I, I really do feel like there's still a tremendous amount of talent out there that is going to be able to work at the company and be very successful, given its demanding na uh, nature. And, and it's 100 percent agreed that it's the job's not for everybody. It absolutely is not. It's it's very demanding because the problems are brand new and Tesla likes to build everything from scratch. And you're surrounded by people that want to work as hard as humanly possible to make this mission come alive, right? It's, it's a mission-driven company first and foremost. And so that requires a certain level of commitment from a, a person to make that stuff happen. 
and Tesla is always uh, ensuring that that culture stays alive and well, the culture of we want the best of the best that are willing to work as hard as humanly possible to make stuff happen, right? Um, but I think there's also, uh, and I've been thinking about this a lot, I think there's a level where Tesla makes that part of you come out more than anywhere else that you would work. And so what I mean by that is, there's a certain percentage of people, like say if you take 100 people that join Tesla, I think like maybe like 30 to 40% of those people, I'm just pulling numbers out of my butt, so don't like like actually hold me to this, but like there's a, there's a percentage of people that join the company with the intention of going in and like literally working 80 hour weeks because they want to, right? But then you, I think the larger majority of the workforce are people that go in there and they're wide-eyed and they're like, holy crap, I've never been anywhere like this before. It truly feels like we're doing something important and then something like goes off in their brain. And they're like, you know what? I'm comfortable putting in that much amount of effort and time because this is more than just a job. This is more than just a paycheck. I'm surrounded, and it's so obvious, you're surrounded by the best talent in the world and in my opinion, the best culture to work at if you're trying to get stuff done that is important. And I think that variable there is not well understood, but I think it's a very important one as to why Tesla is, has been as successful as it has been and why it will continue to be successful into the future. Because they have that variable, it just, they just inspire people. Like when you're in there, you're inspired. Like I was working like insane hours, but I'm like, this is important, it feels great. And then when you are like, freaking trying to solve this impossible thing over and over again because it's not you know you, you have given short time frames everything's breaking around you you're you're given a, a stick of st uh, the analogy i like to use we're given sticks and stones and we're expected to build a spaceship you know we're like holy crap how are we going to do this but then when you sit down with the again with the smartest people in the world and you start actually working towards that goal with a lot less than you think you need it it's addicting it's a very addicting feeling and ultimately, I think that is why Tesla is never going to run out of talent is because they're going to bring the best out of people uh, once I join the company. And they're like, holy crap, this is actually way more important than just the job. I'm, I'm not, it feels like I'm somewhere special. Let me know if that makes sense. But I think ultimately, that's the thing that's going to enable Tesla to just be okay for a really long time, a really long time. Do you think that Tesla, through not even just their success, but through... Um, their past employees who are now entering the workforce and, and going to work for other companies. Do you think that Tesla is going to be changing the culture towards that? Do you think that we're going to have a, a renaissance of sorts, a Tesla-driven, uh, pushing-the-envelope kind of people? Or do you think that people are going to be, you know, who've, who've uh, you know, put in a lot of time at Tesla and, and kind of want to let off the accelerator, do you think that they're going to bring that same level to other companies? Or do you think that the culture needs to be there at those companies in order for it to flourish? That's a really good question. I think a percentage of the workforce that moves on from Tesla will be the ones that born that, that are, are responsible for birthing those cultures at the companies that they go to or the companies that they start. But I do think the companies that they go to, unless they have a like a mission that's similar in scope to Tesla or as important, I think perhaps over time, those folks might might not have that same fire because we're all human in the end, right? I, there's very few of us, I think, that are willing to uh, be in pain <laughs> for 80 hours a week for extended periods of time, 
you know? But I do think there's going to be, I think a renaissance is a good way of putting it. I think uh, uh, there's going to be a significant percentage of the workforce in the say, next 10 to 20 years that's going to come out of Tesla with a lot of learned lessons on how to build a culture that maximizes efficiency, speed, results, and people wanting to come together to get stuff done. That's going to birth some pretty special companies. It's going to be hard to tell when that's going to happen, but I, I'm 100% sure that's going to happen. It's 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 impossible not to. It's it's way too much of a life changing experience working at that company for that not to happen. Now I don't know if that's one percent of the people that leave or if that's ten percent of the people, but I do think there's going to be some special things that come out of it. I mean, look at a uh, uh, JB Straubel. Like that's one example, right? Redwood Materials. That that guy's going to revolutionize freaking recycling for batteries for all companies. I think he just inked a deal with Toyota or somebody just recently. Um, that's one example. But there's going to be very many of those over time. Um, I think that's a really interesting question. A really, really good one. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what percentage of those people actually make a, like a Tesla size impact. Um, but I'm willing to bet it's probably going to be it's going to it's going to be enough that people are going to pay attention. I mean, that's a really good point, because if you look at the founder of Span, which is the smart electrical panel company, mm. Tesla, if you look at Monarch Tractor, which is probably going to revolutionize electric tractors, Tesla, like I can go on and on. I've, I've, I'm an angel investor and I can't tell you how many companies the, the founders or the co-founders are from Tesla. So it's just, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're someday, I mean, someone should write a book on this now because like a lot of these companies are all from that mindset of people who are just like, I can solve a problem. Right. And I wonder how, I think that they're going to have to be newer companies. I don't think that too many other older companies mm -hmm. are going to be able to pivot. I'm thinking of, um, you know, back in the day, um, the, all the American uh, car brands made crappy cars, big surprise. And then, um, you know, the Japanese came in with their cars and the Americans were like, oh, what is this system? And right. it's, oh, it's Kaizen and Six Sigma and we're going to figure all this stuff out. And it's very on paper, easy to understand. And you right. just follow the line, the flow chart right. and you come up with a better product. And, uh, you know, corporate America loved that. It was just so great. Just and, in time. And I mean, we had, I remember we had uh, Kaizen events at the place I worked and, you know, it was once a month and we would order pizza for everybody. And that was the one time that the white collar and the blue collar would get together and we would sort of sort the thing out, but it was very structured and everyone knew who were their place. Um, Did you have a PowerPoint stuff too? It, yes, we tried to make one at, at the end to show everyone what right. we did. Awesome. And, you know, which took longer than what we did. <laughs> right. And um, I just feel like it's going to be so much harder to put this magic in a bottle mm -hmm. um, compared to... Uh, you know, Six Sigma and, and uh, Kaizen and stuff like that. I mm. just think it's going to be so much harder to uh, encapsulate it, write it down and teach it in some stuffy. In, a, in an old school company. <laughs> in some, right, at yeah. some stuffy, you know, Harvard Business School. Like, it's right. just going to be, how do you how do you show that without, you know, getting a forklift uh, certification and, and going and doing something? Like, it's just going to be so difficult for other companies to catch up um, when all, all they can attract is kind of the boring people who probably haven't worked at Tesla. Well, what I want to ask you, Farzad, is that uh, one big thing that attracts people to Tesla that we hear about or keeps them as well is that you can be an owner of the company, right? There's really good stock option plan. Um, and I think a lot of people out in corporate America don't understand that very much because like, why would I want to own stock in GM, for instance, if I went to work for them? Like, not that exciting. Um, can you tell me a bit about that? Does that really motivate employees at the company? Big time. I mean, from the time, uh, it, it motivated them so much, especially while I was there, um, that I held classes like uh, during lunch breaks to teach like people the basics on like 
what a market cap is, what a stock price is, you know, so they can really understand because they were asking for it. They're like, okay, so like, like I really want to be invested in this thing because I can feel like this is something special, but I, I have no idea what a freaking market cap is, right? Um, like, and the the thing that blew my mind, which I don't know why it did, but it it makes so much sense, is like people didn't really understand what a price share actually, like a like a price of a stock actually was. They would take an Apple. And they would take a Tesla and Tesla was like 200 bucks and Apple was like, I don't know, at 80. And they're like, oh, Tesla's too expensive. Like it's, 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 it's three times more valuable. But like, I, I'm like, I'm not going to make fun of you because I, I understand why that's the case. But then I'm like, okay, but it's not really it. It's the market cap divided by the number of shares outstanding. And they're like, holy crap. Okay, I get it. So when, when you put it within the context of a market cap, it sort of becomes much more clear. But majority of the workforce was extremely... Uh, happy and passionate about owning a piece of the company, especially while I was there. So with the ESPP program, which is no secret, uh, public companies offer it all the time. You can buy a uh, Tesla at a 15%. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.